In this world, we all have struggles. We face opposition, we get challenged, and sometimes we even want to give up. The reason is simple. This world is not our home. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. In one of the greatest sermons ever preached, Jesus describes what life and community looks like when they all come under the gracious rule of God. He highlights we are called to be different. Join us as we take a deep look at Christ's words. We hope you enjoy. All right, worship was awesome this morning, wasn't it? Really, really grateful for them. You know, preaching on El Shaddai, I had a few people ask me this week if I was going to sing that song. I'm very grateful that Mandy did such a great job with it. Uh, but as a child of the 80s, that was a song. Like when I first started coming to church, I remember hearing that song over and over and over again. It's a beautiful song. So, hey, we are in week two of our series, Be Still and Know That I Am God. And so last week, Pastor Rob kicked it off. We looked at Psalm 46. And if you remember, we were looking at Psalm 46 at the very start of that chapter. It says, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And then we eventually got to verse 10, which as he says, which is God, God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at different names of God. And we could, we could actually go months talking about the names of God, uh, but we're just going to spend three weeks talking about uh, three significant and important names of God. And, and I'm particularly grateful that I got to preach this week on El Shaddai. It's the easy one to pronounce, okay? I can't wait for week three of the names when Pastor Rob has to pronounce that last one. That's going to be fun. Um, but so I was thinking about names this week, and actually for the last couple weeks, I was thinking about this sermon. And you know, all of our names, they all have meanings, okay? Now, not, not necessarily everybody, okay, because we live in a day and age right now, and I, I don't care, I'm not judging this. People just make up all kinds of random names now, okay? Like, they just make stuff up, okay? Um, but, but most of our names have meanings. Like, so how many of you that are here in the room right now uh, know the name, know what your name means, Okay? So quite a few of you know what your name means, okay? Um, let's do this. And if you're watching online, you could do this in the chat area with, with, uh, with the people online. So let me just have a couple people who know their names raise their hands and, and tell me what their name is and what it means. Okay, all of a sudden nobody knows their name anymore? Okay. Dark water. Okay. I believe you. Go ahead. Adolf, noble, wolf. noble wolf. Okay. All right. All right. All right. How about a couple more? All right. Back there. Right there. Victory. All right. Last one. Right there. Dove. Okay. Great. Did you say dove? Okay. Great. So as I was thinking about this this week, I decided to be fun. If I just looked up a few names of the staff members at church, and uh, I, we don't have time to look at all of them, okay? And so I apologize to the ones that I left out, but I, I just looked up a couple of different people on staff. So my name is John, and my name means graced by God, okay? 
uh, graced by God. There's probably a joke in that, but I'll leave it alone. Rob, Pastor Rob here. His name is actually Robert. Some of you are probably expecting me to make fun of him right now, but I'm not going to. Lesson learned, children, don't make fun of your boss, okay? He'll make you preach Christmas sermons. So anyway, his name is Robert. His name means famed, bright, shining. That's like prophetic, like his parents knew what they were doing when they named him, okay? Amy, our children's director, her name is Amy. Her name means beloved or well-loved, okay? Wow, I got an applause here for Amy. Hopefully she knows that sometime. Zachary. Zachary, our student director. You know, he's been on staff here over a year now, and it wasn't until about two weeks ago that I realized that his name is Zachary Taylor. We have a president on staff, okay? Like when some of you are like, Zachary Taylor was a president? Yes, he was, okay? So anyway, Zachary. The name Zachary means God remembers, okay? Uh, this person's probably annoyed that I haven't mentioned her name, but Tracy, who's upstairs or was upstairs, yep, she's still up there. Okay, her name, thank you. Did you hear that, Tracy? There were a couple of applause for you. All right. Tracy means late summer, and it also means warlike, okay? Not warlock, warlike, okay? And then the last one I was going to mention is Greg. Okay, you guys have heard from Greg already. And I was a little bit surprised when I looked up his name, because his name means difficult and annoying, I don't even know his parents, but they nailed it, okay? They nailed it with that one, okay? All kidding aside, his name doesn't mean difficult and annoying, okay? His name actually means watchful and alert, okay? Okay? Watchful and alert. And so I, I don't want to offend any Gregs that might be listening to here today. Uh, but so you know, people pick names for lots of different reasons. And as we look through the Bible... There are lots of different reasons why names are significant. Like a name might be significant because it helps explain where they came from. Now, this isn't the name of a person, but the first book of the Bible is named Genesis, which means origin or beginning. Okay, it kind of makes sense. Genesis. And, and as you read through the book of Genesis, we get the names of Adam and Eve. Adam. His name most likely means derived, or is derived from the word used for ground. So Genesis 2 verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And then we have the name Eve, which most likely means living because Genesis 3.20 says, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. Name could also be significant because it might explain why they were born. As you look in the New Testament, one of the first disciples that Jesus called to his side was this guy named Simon, which means that hears or that obeys. But as we know, Jesus changed his name. And so in Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, it says this. It says, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Joseph, or son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, which his name means rock, Peter means rock, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And then Jesus himself, the name Jesus, means Savior and Deliverer. That's why Matthew one twenty one says, She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. 
because he will save his people from their sin. It also might be, sometimes names are significant because it's a reflection of their character, or even sometimes in the Bible, their lack of character. Um, I've already angered all the people in the church out on the lawn whose children were named Jacob. I apologize to the Rice family once again right here. I'm sorry, sorry about that. Okay, But Jacob's father was named Isaac. And the name Isaac means he laughs. And why was he named he laughs? Because when God told Abram and Sarah that they were going to have a child, what did Abram do? He laughed. And so his name was Isaac. And so names are significant for lots of different reasons. And, and we'll see that all the more as we look through this series. But before we get to our, our scripture for today, I want to take you back about 30 years. Okay, so uh, like 31 years or so ago, I was a freshman at Pacific Christian College. And, and, I, and I had to take a class called Theology of Ministry. As a matter of fact, every student who went through Pacific Christian College had to take this class. So it didn't matter if you were a preaching major like I was, or if you were an education major, or a psychology major, or it just didn't matter. Everyone had to take this class called Theology of Ministry. And actually, so it was one of the first classes I took in my first semester as a freshman, and all throughout my education there, it was always one of my favorite classes. Matter of fact, I almost wish that I had taken it later on, because probably some of it was lost on me as a freshman. But I just loved this class. And, and a large part of why I love this class is, honestly, our professor was just a little bit out there. Okay? Like the word that I would use to describe him was eccentric. Okay? He was a little bit different than everybody else. As a matter of fact, and I'm not going to wander too far because I don't want to test the abilities of our cameramen for the online people. But our professor, and Pastor Rob had to take this class as well so he could verify this, he would just wander all over the place while he was teaching. Okay? He would just wander all over the room. He'd walk to the back of the room. He'd walk to the front of the room. He'd walk to the side of the room. There were times where he would just be standing there staring at the wall as he was teaching us. Okay? There was one time he was even standing in the corner. like He put himself in a timeout okay, as he was teaching our class. And I remember just sitting there going, what is going on with this dude? You know, now, I enjoyed it. I'm not complaining. But it was just, he was just different. Okay, he was kind of out there. He also graded just a little bit differently than, than other professors did. So he had a lot of books that he wanted us to read. And so he had a couple of really simple questions that we had to answer with each one of these books. Like, you know, what did you learn? Or what was the book about? You know, kind of stuff like that. But really, the main portion of your grade came from this question. Each one of us had to answer the question, how much of the book did you read? Okay, you see, we went to a Christian college. He was expecting us to be honest, okay? And so he would just have right it there at the top. And I'm telling you, I don't even think he ever read what we wrote on any of the other questions. I think our grade solely came from how much of the book did you read, okay? And so, and I wasn't until when I was thinking about this sermon, like, yeah, he just didn't want to grade things. He was just like, well, you know, you're at a Christian school. Uh, let's be honest and uh, learn if you want to learn. And so he just did it like that. That was kind of unique. The other thing that, was, that I remember about him is he loved a place called Polly's Pies. Okay, and any of you know what Polly's Pies is? Nobody knows Polly's Pies. Okay, thank you. A couple of hands here. Polly's Pies, I think it was a place that was in Norco, but he loved Polly's Pies. And he loved them so much that he used to often talk about in class how he could be bribed with Polly's Pies. 
So if your grade was struggling, you could just bring him some Polly's pies and, and you would be fine. Now, I always had good grades in his class. And I, I'm not joking. It was, it was a good class. I enjoyed the class, so it was a good grade. But, you know, this week I was thinking about it because I hadn't really ever put two and two together. But I do distinctly remember before our final, Pastor Rob walking into his office with about a stack of 10 pies under his arms. Okay? And I just had never put... Anyway. Anyway. What did I say earlier about not making fun of your boss? I just can't. I'm a fool. Anyway, in his class, there were lots of really great things that we learned, but we learned mostly about the word covenant, and there were some quotes that we had to memorize, and and I I will bet you, despite all the things that Pastor Rob and I have forgotten in the last 30 years, that not only can I do it, but he could tell you what those quotes were, because the first quote was, the central category of biblical thinking is covenant, and then the second one was never, now I'm going to forget it now, never imagine that you've rightly grasped a biblical concept until you've reduced it to the idea of the corollary of covenant. And now that's a lot of words, okay? But what it comes down to is everything in the Bible relates back to this idea of covenant. God is a covenant maker, okay? And we are created in God's image, which means you and I are able to enter into covenant with, with him and with each other. And so being righteous means that you are obeying covenant. You are staying inside that covenant. Sin is a breach of covenant. And the reason why that is important at all is because that's part of our verse, our our main verse for today. In Genesis chapter 17, we're, we're introduced to this word El Shaddai, which actually Mandy did such a great job explaining. I'm going to just close in prayer now. No, um... That Mandy explained, but we're also introduced to this idea of covenant. So in Genesis chapter 17, we're going to start reading verse 1. But in chapter 12, God has already called Abram to leave his family, and he has. Uh, And God has already promised him that in his old age that he will have a son. And then in Genesis chapter 15, verses 4 through 6, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. Who's he talking about? Ishmael. But a son who is your own flesh and blood, actually, I don't think that was Israel, but, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed, or Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. And so God has made him this great promise. But then Abram, like so many of us, tries to take things into his own hands. Because him and Sarah had not been able to have this promised child yet. And so they come up with the genius idea. Like like sometimes you ever try to help God? God doesn't need our help. He doesn't need us to come alongside him to give, you know, help him out. Okay, they come up with this great plan for Abram to have a child with her servant. Okay, so instead it was Sarah with her servant. And that is where Ishmael comes from. And God is like, no, 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 that's not the plan. And so in Genesis chapter 17, starting in verse 1, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. So this is the first time in Scripture we read El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. I am God All-Powerful. He, what does that mean? What is he trying to com- communicate to Abram? He's saying, listen, I am God Almighty. I am able to do what I say I'm going to do. I am able to accomplish what I'm telling you I'm going to accomplish. I am in charge. I am all-powerful. I am God Almighty. 
Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. God is talking like it's already happened, even though it hasn't happened yet, because it will happen. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and to be the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. And so this is the first time, seven times in Scripture, we read the name El Shaddai, God Almighty. There's another 40-something other references to Shaddai in reference to God, but there's only seven where it says El Shaddai. He is telling God, and he's telling us that he is God Almighty. He knows what he is asking him to do. He knows what he's asking him to do, and telling him what's going to happen seems impossible, but he is in charge. Have you ever been made a promise by someone who couldn't keep that promise? You ever made a promise someone tells you they're going to do something for you, and they don't come through because they're not even able to? Because that happens to us as people. But that doesn't happen when El Shaddai makes us a promise. When God Almighty makes us a promise, he always comes through. He is almighty. He will sustain us even when we can't hold ourselves up. He will hold us up. And so what was Abraham's responsibility in this covenant? His responsibility, and I think this is still what God is looking for out of us, his responsibility was to walk before God faithfully and to be blameless. Two things that are very easy to say, but very hard to do, very hard to accomplish. So what's he telling them? He's saying, listen, I'm going to hold up my end of the bargain. You don't have to worry about me. I am God Almighty. I am in charge. I made all of this. You don't need to worry about me holding up my end of the bargain. And you know, as people, as Christians, we need to remember that we serve God Almighty, okay? Not God, I got a little bit of power. Not God, I'm able to do a few things. We serve God Almighty. And so you know what? We don't need to fear because we serve God Almighty. We don't need to worry because we serve God Almighty. We don't need to doubt because we serve God Almighty. We don't need to come up with plan B because we serve God Almighty. You know, as you, as you read through the Old Testament, one of, my, one of my favorite things that I notice as you read through the Old Testament, like you notice words that are used over and over again. You notice themes that are used over and over again. That's why I like doing the read through the Bible in a year plan each year, because you just see those things. They jump out off the page at you as you're reading them. And as you read through the Old Testament, you see lots of battles that are won by the Israelites, And there's some common themes that you see in those battles that are won by the Israelites. Number one, most often you'll hear about someone, whether it's the king or or, or the prophet or the priest or somebody inquiring of God. 
because we are foolish to do anything without inquiring of God first, aren't we? Like we are just foolish to do things without God's wisdom. And so quite often you read about the king or the priest or the prophet inquiring of God and God saying, yes, go do this. Guess what? You're not going to hear of a battle where the Israelites lost when they inquired of God and God was like, go, go fight this battle. They didn't have to come up with a plan B. And so as you read through it, you read about these stories, you have all these warriors, like you read about David's warriors. You know, he had the 30, and then he had the three, and then he had all these other guys that were great warriors. And yet I would say that Israel did never win all those battles in the Old Testament because they had better warriors than everybody else. They won those battles because God was on their side. They won those battles because God Almighty was with them. Because, you know, we also read stories in the Old Testament when they did things on their own, when they rebelled against God, and they did things their own way, and they didn't inquire of God. And guess what? In those battles, they lost. When they did things their own way, when they did things without the help of God Almighty, they often came up short. They came up on the losing end. But one of my favorite stories about, about these battles is found in 2 Kings chapter 6. If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm sure the scriptures will be up on the screen. There it is. Starting in verse 8. It says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God, the man of God is Elisha, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. So every time the king of Aram would make a decision, he tells people, hey, we're going to trap them, we're going to attack them here. The king of Israel knew that ahead of time because Elisha was telling him. God allowed Elisha to know this, and then he was telling him what was going on. Verse 11, this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. He's like, I got a rat. Okay, like he's like, I got a rat in my people because someone keeps telling them what I'm going to do. There's someone here telling them. But they said, none of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. So there isn't a rat, but Elijah, because of God Almighty, is able to know exactly what the plan is before it even comes out. So then the king of Aram changes his course a little bit. He says, go find out where he is. Where, where he is is Elisha, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Okay, so now he's no longer going after the king of Israel and his soldiers. He's going after the man of God. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Okay, so now the city that has the man of God in it is surrounded by these people. He's surrounded by soldiers. And his servant is terrified. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now imagine being in that situation yourself. If you are the servant of Elisha, 
And as he says, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You might be going, are you sure about that? Because our city is surrounded. And we don't have a bunch of soldiers here with us. Is it possible that Elisha is losing his mind? That he doesn't know what he's talking about? But then in verse 17, and Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike the army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. You know, Elisha understood that even if he wasn't surrounded by soldiers, physical soldiers, that God had not left him alone. The hills were covered with God's soldiers, and God was going to take care of him, and God was going to take care of them. And even if God didn't, I imagine he was probably a lot like Daniel, saying even if this doesn't turn out so well, God will take care of it. You and I, we need to be seeking the guidance of God Almighty. The king of Israel had Elisha, the man of God. And we may not have Elisha's or Elijah's anymore, but I believe that God has given us his word to guide us. He's given us the ability to pray to him, to have a conversation with him to guide us. He's given us godly people in our life that we could seek guidance from, seek wisdom from. God Almighty still wants to be there to guide us. And so we need to realize that that in our situations in life, You and I, we don't ever need to face those situations alone. We aren't alone. God is always right there with us. And so even if the city is surrounded by soldiers, okay, even if we were to walk out of the building today and all the soldiers in Chatsworth, now I don't know why Chatsworth would be attacking us, but let's say our building was surrounded by all the soldiers of Chatsworth, we would have nothing to fear because God Almighty is with us. You know, you and I, we are in a spiritual battle every single day. And sometimes we're not aware of it. Sometimes we're not paying attention. And yet God Almighty is right there with us. He doesn't want us to feel overwhelmed. He doesn't want us to feel defeated like Elijah's servant was afraid of. Why? Because he is God Almighty. You know, recently I took one of those uh, 23andMe tests. Okay, and I, I did it a couple months ago, and mainly I did it because I was hoping that Warren Buffett was my father. <laughs> He's not. Uh, matter of fact, I, I told my parents I was going to take it, and I knew everything was going to be okay because they didn't freak out. Okay, but they were like, fine. As a matter of fact, so I took it. Uh, my, my wife took one, my mom and dad took one, and it was very, you know, very reassuring when it turns out I was related to them. You know, very good. Um, and, and so I, what I really wanted to do, though, so like I know that my last name is German. And actually, I even know where our family came from in Germany. There's still a Stahlberger living in, in, in Ebenbier in Germany. And every once in a while, when there's a big soccer game on, he will call me and we will talk. The conversation's a little weird because he's already had many shots of a Jägermeister when he's called me. And all I've ever had is water and Diet Coke at that point. Um, and actually, still to the end of the game. Um, but, uh, but I know those things, but I just didn't know a lot, you know? And so it was very interesting to look at it, to take that test and to see what it said about, you know, where I was from. And apparently, I didn't even know this, my mom apparently has some German in her because I'm more than 50% German. Uh, what did surprise me is how, how much Swedish I had inside of me. 
Okay, uh, I always knew that my grandma was Swedish, but I didn't know how much. Um, and so it was just very interesting to look at all that stuff. But as much as it was interesting to look at those things and to look at the map and to figure out where we're from, the truth is I could know about my ancestors, but I can't really know them. It's too late for that. It's not possible for me to get to know them. And, uh, you know, as we go through this series on the names of God, and we're looking at El Shaddai, and we'll look at a couple others in the next couple of weeks, uh, one of the things that just struck me is, you know what, it's important for us, it is important for us to know about God, okay? I'm not going to say it's not important for us to know about God. It is very important for us to know about God. Like, that's one of the reasons why it's so important for us to be spending time in our Bibles. We get to know who God is, how God operates, how he wants us to live our lives. So it's important for us to know about God, but even more so than us just knowing about him, God wants us to actually know him. Okay, do you guys understand there's a difference? Like, he wants us to know about him, but he also wants us to know him on a personal level. You know, in Revelation, it talks about, and there I am, I stand at the door and knock. You know, it says if, I, if we open the door, he'll come in and eat with us. Like, God wants to, to have a relationship with us. He wants us to know him. And as I, I was thinking about that, I, I have a book. I don't have time to go into what I was going to say about this book, but there's a really great book called Knowing God by a guy named J.I. Packer. It's an old book. It's been through a lot in my collection here. Uh, but if you want a, a good book about just knowing God, this is a great one. I'm sure you can find it on Amazon. But as I was thinking about not just knowing about God, but knowing God, I was reminded of this. I went to a youth pastor's conference, I don't know, like 12, 13, 14 years ago. And a very popular guy now, his name was Louis Giglio, was speaking. And if I remember correctly, he's from Atlanta. And so as he got up there to speak, he started telling us all about Krispy Kreme donuts. Okay? Um, and so he's telling us about Krispy Kreme donuts. He's talking about the founder of the company, and he's talking about how like, he made these donuts, and at first he was selling them out of the trunk of his car, you know, and that's how the business really got started. And then you know, they, they start opening up locations, and he's talking about all the success they had. And you know, like the, red, the flashing light means something, doesn't it? Doesn't that mean that there are hot glazed donuts coming off the conveyor belt right then at that moment? Okay? I mean, I don't, I'm not even an expert in this, and yet I know that. Okay? Uh, the other thing I was thinking about is this. He, he was telling us this story, and I'm like, I don't, even, I don't even like glazed donuts. Okay? Some of you might find that hard to believe. Okay? But I don't like glazed donuts. But man, Krispy Kremes, I could eat 10 of them without even feeling it, without even thinking about it. But so Louis is talking about Krispy Kreme donuts, and he's telling us all about the founding of the company and all this other information. And then he says, you know what? But the people at Krispy Kreme don't just want us to know about their donuts. They want us to experience their donuts. And then the jerk does this. He pulls a box up from under the pulpit, and he opens it up, and he pulls out a glazed donut. Now, this donut had to have traveled across the country because there weren't even Krispy Kremes out here at the time. And yet this guy takes his donut out, and he eats it right in front of a room of about 1,400 youth pastors. Okay? Like, you got to know your audience, man. We were not happy with him. Okay, he's just chowing down. And you really do need to know your audience because I was preaching at a church one time. They were a very conservative church. And I used the same illustration. It didn't work out so well for me. They didn't like me eating a pulp, uh, donut in their pulpit. Okay? But what his point was, was this. And it's true for us today. God doesn't want us just to know information about him. Great that we know El Shaddai means God Almighty. God wants us to know him. He wants us to know him as God Almighty. 
uh, in this book uh, uh, from J.I. Packer. He talks about people that, that know God and what are some signs of people that know God. And he says this. He says, those who know God have great energy for God. Those who know God have great thoughts of God. Those who know God have great boldness for God. And those that know God have great contentment in God. And, and I guess my encouragement for us today is this. Do you know God today? Do you know more than just that El Shaddai means God Almighty, but do you truly know God Almighty? And, and I hope that, that, that right now, not, not just right now in this sermon, but, but if you don't, that you would seek him out to really know him, to answer that door and to let him in. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. We thank you that you are El Shaddai, God Almighty. And so I pray for each of us, Lord. Lord, I pray for when we feel powerless, when we feel alone, when we feel like we are surrounded by the enemy and everything looks bleak and lost. I pray that you would help us to remember that you are El Shaddai, that you are God Almighty, and that you never really leave us all alone, and that you are right there with us. Father, I pray that you would help us not to just be people that know facts about you, but that we'd be people that know you and want to know you better each and every day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Your